Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, praise the Lord. Good to be together here and to really honor the Lord in our monthly communion service. It's a special time when we as a whole congregation will remember the Lord on his cross. And that's what we want to do now is just to set our hearts toward the cross in preparation for that time. Let's pray. Father, we look to you now, Lord, to turn our hearts to Calvary, to the cross, to the place where you died, Lord Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. As we continue with this theme from where Moses started and he said, behold the blood of the covenant as he sprinkled both the altar and the people with the blood of the sacrifice. And so if you'd like to turn to our verse today for consideration, it's Exodus chapter 30 verse 10, Exodus chapter 30 verse 10, as we continue now to think about the blood and one aspect of the blood that we're going to be looking at now. Exodus 30, verse 10. This is a passage here. This is a time here where the focus is on Aaron, the high priest Aaron, and it describes what Aaron is going to do with the blood of the sacrifice, which, of course, is a picture for us of the of what the Lord Jesus' blood did. Here it says in Exodus chapter 30, verse 10, Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. So here we see another application, another another accomplishment of the blood, and this is the blood of the covenant, and what we have here is Aaron making an atonement, this, used, this word is used here uh, three times in this verse, an atonement, an atonement, an atonement. And the first thing that leads us to ask the question is, what does that really mean? What does that word mean, atonement? Well, when you go back to the original word, which is used here behind the English word, the Hebrew word is kafar, kafar, which means a covering. It's a covering. That's what atonement means. When we look at a covering, we think of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, after they just had sinned, and they were very conscious of the fact, we need a covering. We are ashamed of our naked bodies. We need a covering. 
They needed a covering because they were shamed of being naked and exposed. They needed the right covering. And the, the covering that they choose for, chose first was not the right covering. That was the covering that they chose, which was a fig leaf that was the wrong covering. Just like people today who try to cover their sins with good works, and that's the wrong covering. Just like the fig leaves, it's a covering of fig leaves. It's the wrong covering. That's why God gave to Adam the right covering, which is the covering from animals, killed animals that were the animals that he, he killed and covered them with their skins. We need the right covering for our sins. The right covering for our sins is the blood. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus. This is what Aaron was doing here when it says he made a covering for their sins or an atonement for their sins with the blood. Aaron made the covering. Aaron made the covering. Aaron made the atonement when he offered what was called the sin offering of atonements of coverings, which would be called the sin offerings of coverings. Just as God gave to Adam that coat for him to wear instead of the fig leaves, that's what the Lord Jesus does for us. He gives us the blood of the Lord Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's a gift of covering. When you look at Leviticus 17.11, very famous verse, Leviticus 17.11, where God describes this gift, he says, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement to make a covering for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement. It is the blood that maketh a covering for the soul. Not the, not the covering of the fig leaves, which is symbolic of man's work. Not, and, and, and now the covering, the true covering, which is the blood. This whole imagery is what's behind the Passover. The Passover, as it says in Exodus 12, 13. Exodus 12, 13 was on this great night, this night of redemption, this night of deliverance, this night of protection. When it says in Exodus 12, 13, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So those are the words that describe the covering of the blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. There were many, many houses in Egypt, and in every house, every house there were sinners, because God said, there's not a person on the earth that sins not. And there was the death of the firstborn, but for some of those houses, for some of those houses, there was no death. There was no death of the firstborn. They were spared. They were covered. They were skipped over. They were passed over. Why not? What made the difference between the houses that had the death of the firstborn and the houses that did not have the death of the firstborn? Was it the goodness of the people who lived inside there? Oh, that's a righteous house. Oh, those are very good people there. No, no. That wasn't what made the difference. What made the difference was the blood. It was only the blood. Only the houses that had the blood were spared. That's what it was. Just as simple as that. Blood, life. No blood, death. Just as simple as that. Just like it says in 1 John 5, 12. 1 John 5, 12. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Put that in the context of the Passover. He that had the blood on the doorpost had life. He that had not the blood on the doorpost had not life. 
That's, that's exactly what made the difference. That was it. That was the only difference between life and death. So what was it then that when, what God saw when he saw, when he said in Exodus 12, 13, he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. What did God see when he saw the blood? God saw a cover, the cover of the life of the animal covering the sins of the people. It was only temporary, it was only symbolic, but it still was effective in that day because the people were following God, they were learning from God. Oh, it's the blood of another that's going to protect me from sins. This is God's, God's class here. This is God's school. This is God taking people through kindergarten and beginning to teach them, you need a covering for your sins. You need a covering. And then you go to first grade, the covering is blood. The covering is blood. And then before you graduate, then the covering is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God sees. He sees the cover of the Lord Jesus Christ covering sins, and in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, God sees the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he sees the life of the Lord Jesus Christ over oh, oh, on any soul, he says, pass over that soul, skip that soul, skip that person, don't judge him for his sins. Because in the blood of the Lord Jesus, God sees the perfect covering, the perfect covering. And the Bible shows that God is really happy with this because it says in, in Job 33.24, Job 33.24, then he, that's God, then he is gracious unto him and saith, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Can't you feel in that verse, can't you feel, first of all, the anxiety of God? The anxiety of God I want to find a ransom. I must find a ransom. This is the same anxiety that's expressed that God has in 1 Timothy 2.4. 1 Timothy 2.4 says that God will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That means God wants every single person to be saved. No exceptions. But the truth is that all men are not saved, and that causes God angst. It causes God anxiety. And God is grieved in his heart when any person is not saved and is cast into hell. That causes God angst. That causes God anxiety. That's why he says, that's why it says in 2 Peter 3.9, 2 Peter 3.9, that the Lord is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Every single person should come to repentance. That's God's will. And from that verse, we see that God looks at every person on earth as an individual, an individual that he has created, an individual that he has loved, an individual that he speaks their name and says, I'm not willing that Muhammad perish, and I'm not willing that Avraham perish. And he goes through each person that he has created. He sees their particular lives. He takes an interest in their lives, and he says, don't let that sinner die in his sins. I'm not willing that he perish. 
So he wants every person to come to repentance. He's leading every person so that they can come to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it says in 2 Timothy 3.9, 2 Timothy 3.9, that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Not every person on earth comes to repentance. Not every person on earth does not perish. Many do not come to repentance and they perish, and that causes God grief. And, that, and what it means for you and I is that we are to be God's prayer warriors. We are to be the ones that are sitting on the walls as the watchmen on the walls for God. When it's, and, 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 and so that you and I can enter into God's anxiety. yes. Enter into his anxiety. It means for you and I to be anxious over every soul that perishes because God is anxious over every soul that perishes. When God sees a soul refuse to repent and perish, that deeply disturbs God. And that's what God wants from us. He wants us to be deeply disturbed over that. That's the birth of evangelism. And only when we're deeply disturbed over each person that perishes do we bring the gospel with passion to the lost. And it's this great anxiety over perishing souls that has caused God such joy, on the other hand, when it says, when it says in, in Job 33, 24, the verse we were talking about, Job 33, 24, that he is gracious unto him and saith, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Can't you just imagine God's happiness He's so happy as he cries out, wait, don't send that person to hell. Deliver him from going to the pit. I found a ransom. Can't you just see God the Father with all that anxiety in his heart as he looks to the God, as he looks to God the Son, he looks to the Lord Jesus, and he just says two words. He's got this anxiety in his heart, God the Father does. He doesn't want anybody to perish. So he turns to the Lord Jesus and he says, will you, will you? And then God the, God the Son, because he knows the thoughts of God the Father, he responds to God the Father and says, I will, I will. And when the God the Father hears those two words of I will, he's so happy, and therefore, Job thirty three twenty four, God says, I have found a ransom. I have found a ransom. Where was that ransom? In the willingness of God the Son to come to earth, to die for our sins, to shed that precious blood, to make his blood a covering, an atonement for our sins. That was the essence of the conversation of will you and I will, and then I have found a ransom. And there's only one ransom that's valuable enough to stop a soul from going to his just destination, the pit, from being cast into hell, and that's the value of the ransom, which is talked about in 1 Peter 1.18. 1 Peter 1.18 says, you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, nothing like that from your vain conversation, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The ransom was the precious blood of Christ the precious blood of the Lord Jesus, just as the Bible says in Ephesians 1.7, Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The forgiveness of sins. Did you catch that 
when Ben prayed, and he prayed, and he thanked God for the blood that brought the forgiveness for our sins. That's what Ephesians 1.7 is saying. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Put it on the, to appreciate it, put it in the opposite term, and it would read, we do not have redemption if we do not have his blood. We do not have forgiveness if we do not have his blood. And the only reason, from Ephesians 1, 7, the only reason why we have his blood, why we have his blood, is called the riches of his grace. The riches of his grace. We are here this morning. We are going to celebrate the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus, which is what the communion's all about. We're gonna celebrate the shedding of his blood because of the riches of God's grace. That's the only reason. The blood was the money that was used to buy our redemption. The redemption purchased the forgiveness of our sins, just like that. So when Moses speaks to us, as well as to all of Israel, when he said in Exodus 24, 8, Exodus 24, 8, behold, the blood of the covenant, we see the blood of the ransom money, the money that was used to buy our, the, our redemption. Now, the Bible tells us much more. It tells us much more about the blood of Christ and what it did for us, the blood of the covenant. And that is in Ephesians 2.13. Ephesians 2.13 gives us another accomplishment of the blood when it says in Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. See, as we look at the, behold the blood, as we look at the blood that Moses was talking about in Exodus 24, as we look at that blood there, as we look at that blood, we see how that blood accomplished for us, bringing us near to God, bringing us near to God by the blood of Jesus. God, man, God in the garden, man, God, great distance between. But then came the blood of the Lord Jesus, which we're gonna be talking about over and over again at the CEF Fair when we come to the wordless book and the red page. Then came the blood, and what happened? God turned back. Adam, where art thou? And then man could now come back, made nigh by the blood, made nigh by the blood of Christ, Ephesians 2.13, Ephesians 2.13. How come we were so far away from God? What was causing this great distance from God? Isaiah 59.2. Isaiah 59.2 says, your iniquities separated between you and your God. Your iniquities, your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Every time we decided to tell what we thought was just a white lie, the distance got farther, the gap got greater. Every time we lusted for the forbidden, we made the gulf deeper between us and God. Every time we had a sharp tongue, we made ourselves more of a stranger to God. Every time we took a little excursion for a little fun, a little mischief, a little departure from what is right, 
we became farther from God. And we might have been very religious, but the distance didn't change. Religion did not shorten that distance. We might have been very observant of traditions, but the gap between God and us didn't, didn't discontinue because we were just religiously separated from God. And no amount of good works, no amount of traditions could, could ever have brought us close to God. There was only one solution to that problem of being so hopelessly separated from God, and it's the Ephesians 2.13. Ephesians 2.13 solution, which is made nigh by the blood of Christ. Made nigh by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ solved the problem. It solved the problem of our separation from God. It was very simple. It brought us near to God. So, as we obey Moses, who said, behold the blood of the covenant, we see in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that it brought us near to God. It brought us near to meeting with God. The blood of the Lord Jesus also took away our fear of approaching God. We're not afraid now to approach God. It tells us in Hebrews 10.19, Hebrews 10.19, having therefore boldness, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. As we behold the blood of the covenant, we get a special boldness that comes to us, a special confidence to go right into the presence of God with a word for God that was totally foreign to us before, and it's the word Abba, Abba, Daddy, Father. Romans 8.15, Romans 8.15. We have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, and again, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The fear's gone, and it's replaced with a calling of God, Abba, Father. All why? All because of the blood. Without the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no nearness to God. Without the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no calling God, Abba, Father, there's only fear to call, fear of God to call him Hashem, the name. What is that name? It's just the name. It's an expression, Hashem, the name. To call God the name is an expression of distance from God. Great distance. But with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's nearness to God. There's no Hashem. There's Abba. There's Abba. That's what the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ does. That's a great accomplishment. One more accomplishment, we've seen two so far. Third accomplishment, third and last accomplishment we're gonna cover this morning. Another accomplishment of behold the blood of the covenant is 1 John 1, 7. 1 John 1, 7. When we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The problem with sin is that it creates two problems. It creates an external problem, and it creates an internal crisis. The external crisis is that sin caused us to have this great distance between God, and we've already seen how the blood of the Lord Jesus is perfect for a covering of that sin, and it brings about our forgiveness, and so we can come near to God. But that's not the only problem that sin caused. There's a crisis of an internal defilement. Sin makes the heart dirty. As the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 15, Matthew 15, 19, Matthew 15, 19, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. 
These are the things that defile a man. It's the thoughts that defile a man. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 